Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm pleased to say that Pat and I have once again reconvened to talk about our beloved Washington Commanders. A uh, quick programming note, if you will. We're actually recording this podcast or this episode on Wednesday evening, one day before Washington plays the Chicago Bears, a game I will be in attendance. In the rare time I will actually be going to a game, first time since, I think, 2016. So it may be, point being, it might be Friday after the game by the time you're listening to this episode, depending on how fast I can turn it around the editing for this. So in that vein, rather than making this episode kind of this overdue recap of the game against Philadelphia last Sunday or making it some obsolete preview of the game against the Bears, considering you might be listening to it after the outcome of that game, uh, Pat had the better idea of taking this time to focus on some of the quote-unquote big-picture takeaways for the Commanders through the first quarter of the season. So as the title of the episode implies, we had four give or take sort of storylines that we wanted to talk about in terms of how the season's gone to date. And uh, it should come as no surprise that the first one involves quarterback Sam Howell, namely that he looks very much like the legitimate answer to the position that we've been lacking for God knows how long since Kurt, depending on how you feel about Kirk as a, uh, as a quarterback. But given that it's how I'll tee it up for you, Sam, uh, Sam I was going to call you Sam, might as well. Pat, uh, as far as, you know, you and I continue to go back and forth. We're like, if you take away nothing else, it's Howell is legit. Like it just, it, it's, and it's not even putting the burgundy colored glasses on. It's, it's just becoming harder and harder to find, like to, to be the Eeyore being like, I don't know if this is going to work because like he just continues to show you something new every game in terms of his progression. Oh, I'll stop there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I texted you in the Cardinals game. I was like, we have a quarterback. I mean, it was week one. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the Broncos game. It was probably uh, the Broncos game. Uh, the ball just pops out of his hand. I think that's what excites me the most is like every time, every time he steps into a throw and I've said this on every pod we've done this year, every time he has his feet set and steps into a throw, I think it's going to be completed. And I think it's going to go for a big game. It's just not something we have, we've had in a long, long time. And he's only, he's had what four games now. We'll say the Cardinals was well four games this year. I'm not including the Cowboys game last year. Cardinals game. He played. Okay. But, you know, he had that just horrific fumble. But, like, it was his, it was opening day. It was his first real start. You know, I granted that, like I said, I know he started against the Cowboys. But, like, it's his first meaningful start. Uh, and it took him a little while to get going. But then the second half, you know, defense turned it around. He finished the game. Uh, slow start against the Broncos. But then he was, like, we went on, what, a 32-6 to six run? Like, he was exceptional. 30, something like that, yeah. Yeah, he was, ex- he was exceptional. Then myself, John, Alex – and Jester all shut up to the Bills game. My, my my buddy Kane, who I've known my whole life, went to UNC, bought a Howell jersey just for the game. That was done. Uh, obviously, he had four picks. Uh, he didn't look particularly good. Uh, he got harassed. The offensive line was terrible. He was terrible, all of the above. Uh, and so everyone started asking, like, all right, how's he going to respond? How's he going to respond? He's on the road in one of the – I would say one of the top five most hostile environments in the NFL, probably. Um, like the idea that there's home field advantage in the NFL in big cities isn't really a thing anymore. It is, in my opinion. but yeah, not, but in Philly, Philly's different. 
I was going to say Philadelphia, even Seattle. Seattle isn't quite as dominant the Legion of like as it was in the Legion of Boom era, but Seattle, because of the acoustics of the stadium, is still very much a thing. Kansas City is still very much a thing. I think Kansas City is still number one far and away. Their their fans show up to those games. So that stadium was eighty percent Eagles fans, probably. Yeah. You can mark uh, Green Bay, but Philadelphia is definitely one of absolutely. Even Green Bay though against the Lions, it was like a split stadium. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't catch uh, that. Uh, my point is, like, he went into one of the hardest places to play. And I think his QBR was, like, 78. Um, you, you actually put some uh, stats down. Completed 70% of his passes. Uh, obviously, only one touchdown, but no turnovers. The There are a couple throws that stand out to me. The one throw he missed, but I don't fault him for it. Is he, I, I think it was Terry. might have been Pringle. It was one of them. He had someone on a deep post. Oh, it was Terry. Terry torched uh, Slay and was open. But as he is throwing the ball, his arm got hit. And instead of being able to lead him into the end zone, the ball floated to the left. And Terry yep. had to readjust, and he just missed him. Terry missed but, it. And there was the other shot that was later in the game, I think I called it out. There was a shot that he missed by like an inch or two to Pringle. That like yeah, so there was a Pringle deep. There was a Pringle shot there, which was like the random one. Both of them were like, they were just, oh, they were like by an inch. But go ahead. Yeah. But, like, every throw he had was a dime. Like, the best throw of the day was his borderline should have been complete pass to McLaurin. I mean, that was, that was a fucking amazing that throw. Was that was the football time. equivalent of the, is this dress gold or blue? Because people yeah. still at this point are like, no, that his foot was in. And I'm like, if you ask yeah. me, his foot was just over the line. But It reminded me of a touchdown pass that Robert threw to Moss in the corner of the end zone against the Giants in 2012, where I was like, oh, my God, this guy is good. Uh, we ended up losing that game. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, I remember it because I remember I ran out. I was in Norfolk at the time in, in Virginia, and I ran out of my house, being, yelling, "Oh my God, we're back!" So I mean, I thought he was great. The, the not only was he good, but the way he responded, the touchdown throw to Dotson was just—I mean, Chef's kiss. That ball could not have been more perfectly thrown. The entire play was perfect. Um, which Dotson needed to catch because, uh, frankly, he killed all the momentum with his drop third down pass. That was, that, so that was, I texted my buddies. I was like, we might lose the game because he just dropped that ball. Like the momentum was, was already starting to shift. And then it took all momentum. It was a complete kick in the dick. It was such yeah. a, it was such a critical blow. So, it, and now we have what? I want to say 12 games left because stupid NFL. We have 17 games now. Uh, we have 13 games left. He's playing tomorrow night against uh, basically seventh round rookies. Like the Bears, Jackson's not playing. Both their corners, I think, are out. I think he's about to get on a bit of a roll. He still has a tendency to hold the ball too long and all this all this fun stuff, but he's 18th in QBR. It's over 50, which is He did get deal. the ball out faster against the Eagles. Yeah. Both he also made the decision to effort. run more. Yeah. Also, Sam, if you're listening to this, because I know you listen to the Halo District podcast. Absolutely. Uh, uh, slide, dude. Stop trying to get five extra yards and getting slammed into the ground. Everybody, there's uh, a bunch of people in my friends group group Slack. They're like, Howell needs to learn how to slide, man. Dude, that third, it was third and seven, tie game, yep. fourth quarter. He that takes off and gets like 25 yards. I thought yeah. he separated his shoulder. I mean, yeah. he was tossed. Yep. Sorry, I, I can talk about Howell for an hour. I think you, I think he's going to be very good and get better as the year goes. You hit on the main point that I really want to take away. So in the solo pod I did while you were nursing your your recovery from the the Bears game, uh, the Bears game, the Bills game, the one thing I kept droning on and on about, or I spent the last half of the mini pod talking about, was that look after the second interception in that game, Howell just looked so dejected. He looked like I said, like he just 
that he got the worst news in the world. And then by the fourth interception, it looked like somebody told him that his family died in a car crash. Like that was the look he had on his face. You know, God forbid that happens to anybody, but like that was the look he had on his face. He just looked thoroughly dejected. And I said, how he responds to this game, both not only as a, from a play perspective, but just from a confidence perspective would be so critical. Like, it was a real for a young quarterback because again it was his fourth start depending on how you feel about the Cowboys game and to go through that level of adversity and just look like you could do nothing right even though he did have some moments I think as ugly and lopsided as that game was and I think you can attest to this that you were there the first half was more competitive than the score would indicate it's just we kept shooting ourselves in the foot with like the failed fourth down conversion the turnovers so forth and so on right but point being of how he responded to that would be very telling and as you just said he responded as strongly as one could you know reasonably expect given that the eagles depending on how you feel about them may still be a slightly better team i don't know if, i'm not even going to go that far per se but great effort and the whole line that he kept saying, he he made that comment on it was after the Bills game, after the Eagles game. He's like, you guys can give me the pass for being a young quarterback. It's like nobody it's cares Bills about game. that. His he's Wednesday like, press conference between Bills, Eagles. It was an awesome press conference. Right? And he was just like, nobody cares. My teammates don't care. I don't care. Like you can say whatever you want to. I don't see myself that way. And I'm not going to treat give, hold myself to that standard. And he also made that comment. He's like, do I let it get to me? He's like, I kind of did the whole Jim Zorn stay medium. He's like, I'm not going to ride the high with the high and I'm not going to ride the lows with the low. Right. Like, and, and I think that was just so telling and, and obviously the end results were what they were. This that Bills game should have been 13, 10 at halftime. Sam threw that really bad pick on our first drive. We were inside the 30. We also had the ball on the two yard line and we didn't score. So, I mean, also I felt better uh, after watching the Bills Dolphins game, because I think the Bills, that's so, might, that was the other I point I wanted to say. Everybody kept shitting their pants about like how can we struggle so bad against Arizona? Arizona's not as bad as everybody thinks. Like they remind me no, of where like we, we Dobbs, pulled out we Dobbs pulled out the like one top ten QBR quarterback right now. They pointed uh, Josh Dobbs. The metrics are pretty good on him. Everyone kept shitting on us because we pulled out a one point win against. Um, Jacksonville last year I was like well, Jacksonville ended up winning their division and I'm not saying Arizona's going to do that but it kind of reminds me of the, or there's parallels there and then as you said I mean look what Buffalo did to to Miami I mean I, I now they crushed them I feel the hype monster got to Miami after the 70 burger and you know they were smalling themselves quite a bit going into that game but still to your point a four touchdown margin of victory against Miami is is impressive and shutting down that offense to that extent I mean, Tyreek yeah. Hill was unstoppable. I've said it a hundred times. Like to me, he was well on his way to being and still could be the offensive player of the year. And they clamped him down, which I thought was borderline impossible the way he was playing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at the Bills game. You know, I like I'd go again. Awesome time with my buddies. Uh, I'm I'm already excited for the schedule release next year, so we can pick a game and go back. Uh, if y'all are listening, let's pick a game where we can actually win. <laughs> But, like, how looked like a – I'm not going to sit here and say he looked like an all-pro or anything like that. I think we're a long ways from that. But he looked more than competent against the Eagles. Like, we scored 30 points last year once, ironically, in Philly. But it was because of a backward lateral that two people recovered after we'd already won the game. We didn't score 30 points offensively once last year. Uh, in fact, I think we only broke 28 times. Four games, we've done it three times, and we're in the 30s twice without defensive help. Yep. 
Um, no ancillary touchdowns. The, off, the offense is, I think, very real. And Sam is a big part of that. I also like kudos to the enemy. He, he definitely like looked himself in the mirror after the Bills game and was like, I need to figure this out for Sam and get this ball out of the sand quicker. Because uh, like they diced him up. And, and I think the best thing Sam did was take off and run. Uh, multiple times he just climbed the pocket and was like, I'm going to get these four, five, six yards that I can already get. There was like, also a couple of clutch throwaways instead of him trying to force a hero ball. Yeah. Second and uh, 17 before hitting Pringle for about 15 yards in the last drive, he threw the ball away. Uh, just live another down. He's got the arm. He can make 17 yards up, no problem. Uh, also, I know we're going to talk about this in a second, but like Benj and Tony Gibson, just get him off the team. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the offense is a real deal, and I didn't expect to exactly say this this early, but like the narrative around the defense and the 30 points per game I think is a little exaggerated. Uh, but there's no doubt that they need to play better because they have so, not been great. I will circle back to that in a moment. A couple of things I wanted to throw out. So, you know, the advanced analytics are kind of all over the place with Howell, right? So if you want to go, EPA is the new trend now since DVOA is kind of dead for a variety of reasons, right? So Sam Howell is 21st in EPA per play among quarterbacks uh, and 27th in success rate. So those are obviously not great numbers. But as I mentioned, the 27th in success rate is heavily skewed by the well, the variety of turnovers he's had over the first you know few games. But I think there's a couple of things that are really interesting. He's ninth in completion percentage over expected. So basically the passes that he's throwing, he's completing more than people realize or more than the average quarterback or the value of a replacement quarterback would be completing. Um, the thing that I stood out, I wouldn't even realize this considering we have a relatively balanced offense, quote unquote, he's 11th in the NFL in passing yards. I thought that was actually like considering again, it's the fourth or fifth start for this guy. I, I, I was, uh, I raised my yeah, and then he's 12th in aggressive throw percentage. So basically, uh, passes thrown into tight windows. And for my friends out there, that means he's the opposite of Jalen Hurts, where he's throwing passes into windows where his receivers are not open by a 10-yard radius and no one's around him. He's actually completing NFL-level throws as opposed to Jalen Hurts, who can just huck it up and has the benefit of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith making him look a lot better than he actually is. That was an aside. Anyway. Brown's huge. He's he's fantastic. I mean, they're just Devontae Smith comes up with these unbelievable acrobatic catches every single time we play them. Every single time we play. I'm not sure he caught. I'm not sure he caught that ball. We caught it. The replays were there. He caught that. That was Mm. that. But AJ Brown is an All Pro for a reason. He 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 played out of his mind, and and we'll talk about Forbes in a moment. But yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to use the Forbes segue there, so you and I are slightly on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to the defense. So I'm not going to sit here and shit on the defense, particularly because we were so excited about them for after the first two games, but they are what they are. We can debate about the 33, 37, and 34 points that they've given up in the last three weeks, but the analytics as well as the rankings are just as much not in their favor. Like again, going back to EPA, they're 24th in overall EP, EPA per play, which basically puts them in the bottom 25th percentile. They're 24th in opposing dropbacks per EPA, and they're in the bottom half of the running in the NFL in overall rushing EPA by um, in terms of a defense. Like they just have not have played. They have not been good. And I think what's been really, really damning. Um, John Kine pointed this out in a recent column. 11 plays of 25 they just give up explosive plays way too often. They've already allowed 20, 11 pass plays of 25 yards or more. 
it took them a half a season last year to give up 11 plays of 25 or more, and they've already done four games this year. In, yeah, in the last, the last like ten games last year total, I think we gave up thirteen. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, look, the defense. There's a reason I said the defense has to play better. They they do. And I, I tweeted this out from our account, but like, and I know after the game, after the Denver game, Chase mentioned it, but I should have, I should have looked it up before this podcast. The amount of times we've given up an opening touchdown is ridiculous. It's gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, scripted plays are a lot better. I get it. But it's gotten to the point where it happens every single week. Yep. It's happened three consecutive games now. And then it might be – I don't know. Did the Cardinals score in their opening drive? I can't – no, they didn't score a touchdown. They score their opening drive. Um, but Denver scored right away. The Bills scored right away. And uh, – The Eagles scored. Eagles scored right away. I mean, it's it, – and it's been a Del Rio thing for four years. It's like, do you, do you not do – you, are, are, what are you doing all week? Are you not – are you watching film or are you watching January 6th replays? Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, he's he uh he's looking at the wrong dust up. I think you know I I I'm gonna give myself some homework there because I, I do want to know how many opening drive touchdowns we've given up with Dalvin Oaks. It feels like it happens every week. It happened his first ever game against the against the Eagles. They walked right down the field and scored. And I remember being like, "Well, this is gonna suck." The defense. My problem with the defense actually is the defensive line. For all the hype that they get, and like I love all of them: Sweat, Payne, Young soon-to-be-traded defensive, defensive end, Chase Young for a right tackle. Like, I love all of them individually. I think they're all great players. But they don't dominate good teams. And that's what frustrates me. Cardinals open get, drive with six plays for 13 yards, by the way. How much? Six plays for 13 yards, Cardinals opening drive. Yeah, well, well yeah. Potatoes, potatoes. Like, our defense line against in games like the Cardinals always show up. They eventually showed up against Denver, kind of, and I expect them to show up against the Bears because the Bears' offensive line is not very good. Uh, and it's, a, but this is a credit to the Bills, it's a credit to the uh, Eagles. But when we play really good teams. I just like, and maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I just feel like our uh, defensive line doesn't do anything. And they get all this hype, and they do really well against teams they're supposed to do really well against. But then we play teams where like, yo, you need to step up your game today, and they go quiet. Uh, we had zero sacks against Buffalo, and Buffalo kind of did whatever the hell they wanted. Granted, the only caveat I'll do that is the one play they did wreck, Josh Allen still made this most outrageous throw you've ever seen. Josh Allen uh, is outrageous. I mean, he's yeah. just outrageous. And, and but then against Philly, I mean, the amount of times that Hurts could just chill and then throw it where he wants, like, it was painful. Now, now we did have two sacks. We had uh, Chase got got there once, and then Chase also forced another sack that Allen got credit for. And then there's a couple times where uh, they were both Chase, covered sacks. Though I did go back in my notes and look. Yeah. It wasn't like we just generated pressure. It was that you know no. the secondary held up in that that end? And this this goes back to like when I would jump up and down last year, being like, "Where are you, Montez? We play these teams where we need these guys to step up, and Montez disappears. Payne had a couple of good plays, but mostly pretty quiet. Allen." hasn't had a good year. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and see. He might have a couple sacks, but, like, he hasn't been as disruptive as he normally is. Yeah. I Chase mean, is just... getting better, but you're still kind of like, I want more. But Chase is getting better. I won't disagree with anything there. Um, I think Allen has been a little better in that regard. I think it's just – I. it's not everyone is Deron Payne in the sense of, like, they're just constantly wrecking games on their own. I mean, we made a point, we'll say it a little later on, but Deron Payne – could very well be the best player on this team. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to say so. It was better than him right now. But otherwise, described to the 
philosophy that your defensive tackles, if you don't hear their name during the course of the game, that's a good thing. That means they're doing their job and they're letting basically everybody else kind of um, do their job at the same time. I will say one caveat, and I guess I should have probably led with this, but the linebacker, like Barton is so bad that the the line kind of has to do everything themselves. Yeah. uh, Which is a problem. Like, like Jamin's getting better. Uh, He blew up the screen. Everyone keeps saying like, oh, he made huge strides as a player. I think he even wrote in the he comes. Uh, he's constant. He is very two, st- one step forward, one step back. I that's still my the philosophy I have with him. Like he'll do a couple of good things, but he's then, playable. Yeah, yeah. It's not unplayable like he was. Barton is not player. playable. No, Barton is the new Apke. Yeah, he's he's really is Reed Dowdy, Troy Apke in that in that mold. The other linebacker who I couldn't stop shouting about last year, who Bostic. had ran with him. Yeah, Bostic, it's cement and issues. I mean, like. He's an, he's an cut from that cloth. David Mayo. David Mayo is another bum. Yeah, like we we have this great defensive line that I just kind of shit on, but you know, call space babe. They're still very good, and when they do their job, they have no one to clean up. And I think that's that's probably the day what frustrates me. Uh, and it's also why we give up so many runs on the periphery because teams it's it's becoming more and more obvious. Teams are like, well, we're just not going to run up the middle because why would we run right into Deron Payne and John Allen when we can yeah, just sure. run off to the sides because we know there's nobody who can contain them. I mean, particularly if you run on the opposite side of where Jamin is, like they're gonna they're gonna basically pick up chunk yardage because our linebackers can't flow. No, I can't. Whatever linebackers we have. I think the secondary will be okay. I'm not worried about Forbes. At Same. All. I, I. It's funny uh, you say that. Like everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, uh, "If anything else, I he think just, just he just it. followed in two straight All Pros." Yeah. Also, Brown is three of him. Like, yeah, his numbers are really bad, but I'm also kind of like, he has a pick. He's gotten his hand on multiple balls. He had a couple PBUs are really close in that game. It's not like yeah. he got his lunch eaten per like. I know this sounds like I'm being an apologist for him. Yes, the numbers are what they are, and A.J. Brown had a monster game. But it wasn't like Forbes walks out of that game being like, I don't belong in the NFL. Uh, it's quite yeah. the opposite. He got beat on a double move bad. And then, the t- ironically, the second touchdown they gave up to Brown was a good thing. Yes. Uh, he, was, he was playing chess, not checkers, to, to quote my Yeah, he was playing 4D chess, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's actually the first thing I said when they scored. I was like, that was dumb. Because uh, they just needed to run the ball three times, run out the clock, and kick the field goal. I said game uh, over. I did not believe that we would march. I, I, I fully, fully. Have you seen our quarterback? Have you seen our quarterback? We got the best quarterback in the league. One, one timeout and eighty seconds left. I was like, even, even Hal couldn't do that, and I, I was one hundred percent wrong. And I, I will eat my I mean, L. Some say, some say it's Hal then Mahomes. You know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but like, I think, I think Forbes will be fine. He was brought in to pick balls off. If he. If he gets one per every four games, he's going to end up with four or five by the end of the year. Yeah, uh, which is a lot for a corner, for the record. And he's there; he's around the ball like the he was the corner on the Devontae Smith catch. Like not much he can do. Yeah, it's not say like that. Like it's everyone's like, oh, he gave out the big catch like to Devontae Smith, and I'm like, look, it's, did it's you see the catch? These these ridiculous catches every single one against us. I mean, you could pull prime Daryl Green, you know, out of a time machine, and like, and Smith is still going to get one of these receptions. Like I. I I'm exactly the same way. I'm like, I was worried about Howell after the Buffalo game. I'm not worried about Forbes after this game. I'm not. No. My guy Fuller's just locked down corner now, apparently. So uh, is BSK, man. Brandon St. Juice, like yeah. they're playing well, right? Like it, yeah. it's John Kine makes this. I listen to his podcast pretty regularly, not pretty, pretty much regularly. And like he always, he was joking because particularly when talking about the Bears, where he was like, 
we're no longer that dumpster fire of a organization. Like now we can look at organ like places like Chicago and be like, God, and thank God we're not them. And he's like, you know, it's really, you know, we're, we're in a different world when we're bitching about why is Quan Martin not playing yet. And, uh, and that one's still, oh, man, I, got into a, I got into a heated text battle with my buddies, uh, the booze hogs about Quan Martin. I, I, and it wasn't a hundred. I mean, he was kind of the center point of it, but yeah. my take was our drafting is stupid. Like the strategy of the way we draft in the second round is terrible. Like, I think you should draft a guy in the second round to play right away. There is no, let him develop in the second round. It's like, we're going to draft this guy and he's going to play. And we have Mathis. We drafted him to replace Payne. Guess what? Payne that was a bad one. That was no, he's not, right, he's not going day. anywhere. Like you can't draft that way. And I understand the best player available thing. I can totally get that. And if Quan was the best player available, great. Quan was not the best player available. We draft for need, and that is the number one thing you cannot do. Like no, I'll give you, so I'll, it's it's a really bad philosophy. Um, there's a saying in the NFL circles are like, when you draft for when you draft for need, you end up with. Like the famous draft was, um, I can't remember, I think it's 1994, 1995, but there was that story where like the coaches were like, we need a running back, we need a running back, we need a running back. And the general manager, Ozzie Newsom at the time for the Ravens was like, yeah, but he's not the best player on our board. In fact, he's way, way too far down the board. And it ended up Ozzie Newsom saying, fuck you, I'm going to take Jonathan Ogden, Hall of Fame left tackle. And the coaches were lobbying to take Lawrence Phillips. Yeah. You know? And, I don't know if Quan. I, I don't know if Quan's going to be Lawrence Phillips or if he's going to turn out to be like some amazing player. But our traditional, like first round, second round, I'll give you third round if you want to say draft and stash. But I think the first three rounds are like you got to hit on those guys and they got to play. There's a phrase I was just reading. I was just reading this book about Bill Belichick and the Patriots all the time. And he made this great point. He was talking about the draft and goes, the first round picks are like the best 32 players available in the, sp- in the draft. Generally speaking, he goes second round picks are guys with first round talent, but not first round production, or there's something wrong with them. And, you know, you have to basically saying you like tread carefully in the second round. And, you know, we also don't do as well in terms of tr- thinking in big picture that way. So yeah, I- I'm agreeing with you. Anyway, Quan hasn't seen the field yet. No, he hasn't. Uh, uh, he he really for... liked that pick. I hated the Federian Mathis pick. Hated it. And yeah, I really liked the Quan Martin pick. But yeah. I mean, yeah. I want I want Quan to be good. I'm not giving up on him. Maybe he oh. comes in next week and becomes an all pro for all I know. But it just I'm I'm taking down on Quan because he's like the fourth or fifth or tenth straight second round pick we just have like thrown the towel in on. And I'm like, guys, what are Taylor, we doing? Taylor Jacobs, we cannot nail that that round. We really like go look literally go look at it after this. It is vomit inducing. It is. We might as well just trade out or trade the pick. My, we might as well trade like just get rid of the pick. The third the 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 famous one is the we took Malcolm Kelly, Devin Thomas, and Fred Davis all in the second round. Oh for three in the second round. I forgot about Sleepy Davis, Malcolm Nonis, Kelly, and Devin. I don't like football Thomas. Yeah. Oh my god, so dumb. Yeah. Is Emerson a second-round pick, too? I Emerson think so. a second-round pick. Another bust of a second-round pick. World-class um, bust. Regardless. The secondary is fine. I think Curl is going to be – Curl, the second, the safeties are fine. I think the defense will play better. Uh, the, I mean, it's kind of been all over the internets uh, recently, but, like, Del Rio's defense after the first four weeks, all three years, has gotten better and better and better. That also correlates to the fact that we're about to play the Bears, Falcons, Giants. Also, the Giants might be the worst team in the league. Uh, they'll find a way to be competitive against us. Daniel Jones, uh, 
He takes some serious yeah. steroids and, you know, HGH and any other substance he can think of when he plays us because he's not he's faster. So, uh, I, think the, I think the defense will play better. And if the offense continues to play the way they can, then, like, we'll be all right. We should go three and one in our next four. So hold that. We'll call. We're gonna. That's so. We'll, we'll adjust that as our last talking point. But the other one, we've already touched on a few of them. But we were just talking about like kind of players to watch or individual callouts. I couldn't think of a good title for that, so we're just gonna do that. Call it that. But so a few players that came straight top of mind for one reason or another. Um, so we talked about Duran Payne and stud. I mean, just phenomenal stuff, right? Like he. Not only has he consistently showed up every single game one way or another, but I mean, he literally, he just, he's singularly dominant. Everyone remembers it was, the, it was, the, no, the, 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 the Arizona game, game, he was part of the disruption for two straight drives. The Denver one was really disrupted an entire drive by himself right after the second half or the first drive of the second half. If it was, I mean, he should be an all pro at the end of the season. If he continues on the current trajectory, I mean, he's just, he's just been fantastic. On the upper, opposite end of the spectrum, the guy who is the anti-Duron Payne is Andrew Wiley. Uh, and yeah, I, and, I, made, and I made on my notes that this guy could literally derail our entire season. He's that bad. And there's been some clamor on the Redskins fandom saying that, why do we not start Cornelius Lucas at right tackle? I have always ascribed to the theory that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is dead on this side of the fence. It's dead. It's just fucking dead yeah, with Andrew Wiley, right? Dead. We gotta punt him, like punt him far, far away. Why don't, why don't we? I mean, there's a through. world where you could put who's the third round pick we had? Stromberg is that his name? Yeah, Stromberg. You yeah, you could put him at center, move Gates over to guard. I, I don't, I don't even know. He did that for a hot second when somebody got hurt. When I think Cosme yeah. got hurt, and then just and just kick Cosme back out to right tackle where he played for the first two years. I mean, you could do that. Like Cosme is admittedly not the best right tackle in the world, but he is better than Wiley. Than Wiley. He's better than Wiley. Also, I, no reason why I'm pissed about the Quan pick. Mersh went right after him to Tampa. Could have played guard. We could have had Cosme at right tackle. Here, Neither here nor there. But Wiley's terrible. And I think we gave him like a couple of years too, which seems worse. All of he, that. I mean, he, he made – what? what's your Super Bowl comp? The Cowboys Larry guy Brown. all his money? Yeah. He's Larry yeah. Brown. Larry Brown, Neil O'Donnell, whatever you want to call him, right? Like it's just – that's, you know – one good game in front of a national audience, all because his quarterback is a freak of nature, and he got paid by us. Uh, he's so bad. There's a reason. Like, there's a joke that, like, if Andy Reid is that happy to let you go, like, you shouldn't be, you know, yeah, like, you can, and you can take it too well. If our organization learns anything, don't take Andy Reid's scrap heaps, unless his name's Eric Danny. Yeah, we got a half a season out of Alex Smith that 2020 season, like the second half of it or the quarter of it that he was healthy. Actually, um, he's the only – he has a winning record over 16 games. I think he was like 11-5 as a starter or something. He would have – In terms of – I was going to say, we would have not – if his leg held up that season, we would have been – We would have been the playoffs. Nine. Yeah, we would have been the playoffs. We would have beat the Titans that year because uh, we would have no, – we made the, the playoffs. That was Heineke's game against the Bucs. Oh, I was, I was thinking about the year we started 6-3. and three. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yep. That year we definitely make the playoffs. We ended up seven and nine, maybe maybe eight and eight, because like the next game Colt starts and breaks his leg like in the first quarter. That was the end of the season we had, where we're trying like Josh Johnson. And then Mark we had Sanchez then we had Sanchez come in. We get smoked by the Eagles or Giants yeah. or something like that. Uh, and then Josh Johnson comes in. We beat the Jaguars, and he plays pretty well against the Titans. I remember. Uh, but in terms of uh, continuing on these players, we've already talked about Jamin. Quietly getting better. Chase getting uh, three games, three sacks. Okay, you have you have my attention. Terry still a stud. Just force feed him. Force feed him the ball. 
I think that was another adjustment EB made that like first two passes right to him and just and getting him in rhythm, right? Like the first three games, yes, we did a great job of spreading the ball all around, but at almost at the risk of denying your best player. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think Payne's best player on the team, but I think Terry's the best offensive player we have. By like, I don't think it's particularly that close. I thought Dotson was going to climb that ladder, but he hasn't done it yet. It frustrates me how important Logan Thomas is. Yeah, but like he's because you're really left Virginia Tech. Yeah, he's really got to be on the field. Uh, we call him Super Spreader amongst my friend group. He's got to be on the field. And he, I mean, he makes plays. Look, it's like makes I, plays. I, he high I, points the ball very well. And God, the the hit that he took deep in, into the into the Eagles red zone was yeah, he's, another concussion worthy hit. And he's he's, he's going to have no brain by the time he retires. Yeah, he's going to be a little bit in the uh, Jordan Reed bucket, but yeah, he uh, but like he makes our team so 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 much better. It's noticeable. The tight ends, like I love Bates. You and I talked about Bates the day he was drafted, but he's not a starter. He's like the perfect complementary tight end. Yeah, Thomas needs to be on that field. The two that are kind of left are Robinson and Gibson. So by, Brian Robinson's funny. My buddy Tim sent a text around today in our group thread, and some NFL.com clickbait article ranked Brian Robinson. They did his top 15 running backs in the NFL right now. All right, top 15, 10 or 15 or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was in that general number. And they put Brian Robinson ahead of Bijan Robinson. And Bijan Robinson's everyone's darling right now because you know he's the rookie and he's very talented and blah blah blah. And, I, and I, even I, I kind of reacted the same way as you. Was like, that's a bit lofty, you know. But point being that like Robinson has played very well. He runs with Robinson. anger and violence. And Robinson, I, Robinson's a dog. The way that he trucked, like he made, he spent. Speaking of Virginia, he crushed that corner from. He crushed that corner. Terrell Edmonds, he he trucked him multiple times in that game. Yeah, it was multiple times, and like he and he did it with gusto too. It was it was quite entertaining to watch. I enjoyed it, but I mean, he's been very very solid. He's the the analogy that they make on the John Kine podcast all the time. He's like, he's consistently a guy to, up to your parlance. Like he's just a singles and doubles hitter. You put him on the plate and he's just a singles, doubles, singles, doubles. But even, doubles. even that, like he's going to leg out a triple every once in a while. He, yeah. he is, he's broken a few more tackles this year. He has, he's a little more explosive. I think what, I think what prevents him from being like super good is he runs pretty upright. And I think he takes a couple shots because he, uh, I don't think, he, I think also, one reason why he's, yeah, it might be. The reason why it slipped down to like the pick hundred or whatever was because I think his stopwatch time, like you think he's probably a high four fives, low four six guy when at yeah, max speed. Yeah. I think that I'm a four four guy myself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's I love I love Robinson. Uh, he's also not bad at the backfield. He's a good blocker. He is definitely taking over. He's RB one, and it's not particularly close. Not close. He's going to have you know he'll probably if he stays healthy he'll he'll probably break that thousand yard marker this year uh, also as for as bad as our offensive line has been in pass pro like the middle of that line is pretty good in run blocking they have been they, and, they, and they got a little they got a little nasty streak in sadiq gates especially gates especially uh, cosme they got they got some nasty and that's what you want frankly they're definitely uh, better run blockers than they are pass blockers that that's yeah. for sure that leaves me with gibson and uh your love for gibson is well documented yeah it, my i i loved gibson like hmm. he uh but your one eighty is also rookie year. Yeah, rookie year. I was like, hell yeah. Sophomore year, I was like, or second year, I was like, yeah, this guy falls. Forward. And I, I remember saying it. Like, I hate the term, but he always falls forward, dude. He can't play. He's putting the ball in the. I mean, he straight dropped the toss from that whole play was a disaster. In the half, he's, he's, he's rushing. He's, he's rushing roulette in the sense that like. 
you know, you can get a big play out of him when you give him the ball, but you are just as likely to have to have disaster strike when you, you yeah. know. He also has no football IQ. That same play, he dropped the toss. He ran out of bounds, uh, which allowed the Eagles to keep a timeout at the end of the half, and they went down the score. Also, I'm fairly confident. Don't know if sure it was never discussed afterwards. No beat writer asked about it, nothing. But I'm pretty sure he got benched on that last drive. We scored our touchdown uh, to tie the game. It was – we just completed first down to Samuels, first and 10. Shotgun snap. He, the only way I can describe it is in Madden, when you pick, I haven't played Madden in years, but there used to be like a, a light blue route for a running back, which meant stay and block. If no one's coming, you leak out. You leak out. He just took off. And the linebacker saw it, blitzed right through the middle of the gap. Next thing you know, it's second and 17. They uh, called it out on the, they called it out on the drive. Like, yeah. And then and whoever was announcing the game was like, that was Gibson's fault. Yeah. And it was yeah, very right. clear. his fault. He didn't play another down. In fact, later in the drive, Gore was in the game. And that's when Gore, I was like, Gore is active? I didn't even realize he's on the active yeah, roster yeah. right now. Exactly. Well, it's only because Rodriguez has, I don't know, super COVID. He's still sick, apparently. Right. Uh, but Gore was in the game next to Hal, and I was like, oh, shit. Gibson's, like, straight up benched. And you could see it on his face. He was like, I fucked up. That's, I mean, not the slightest uh, bit surprising. He has spent a lot of time. He has, he has, he has uh, loyalty, loyalty points in Ron Rivera's doghouse. So, yeah. So I, I'm very interested if, if I guess I'm not sure it'll matter if Rodriguez doesn't play tomorrow night, but if Rodriguez is up and healthy and suited, which I don't think very curious. Well, yeah. Whenever that happens again, I'm curious to see what Gibson's role becomes because he has, I mean, he's not going to be here next year. Everyone knows that they have no allegiance to him anymore. It's not like a rookie on a rookie with four more years of his contract. Like he's going to get phased out. He can't, like, he, he's either fumbling or whiffing on blocks and getting Sam killed. I think they could very well go out and find a Jarek. Like they will go, not very well could. They very well will go out and try to find a Jarek McKinnon type of running back. I wouldn't be surprised if Jarek McKinnon's a free agent, but they go get Jarek McKinnon, like literally, like from like we need someone with speed. Yeah, somebody from the Kansas City tree who fills that Antonio Gibson screen pass role, like dual threat role. Where where's my boy Chris Thompson when you need him? He was too small. He had that one magnificent year, but when he was healthy, he was the man. I think it was 16, 2016. He was incredible. I mean, just oh, incredible. And then the injury got concussed against the Saints, and his career kind of started getting—he started getting banged up. He had back issues too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, he broke his back. Right. And I was like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But that one year, he was just just a magnificent dual threat player. Just magnificent. Um, I think it was the Alex, Alex Smith year, like the first Alex Smith year. I can't remember. He was just up unbelievable. Um, Florida State guy. Florida State guy. Okay. Uh, wrapping it up here, we, we've danced around this a few times. So we'll start off. It's going to be hilarious and also depressing as all get out if we're wrong about this. But they're playing the Bears tomorrow evening. There's. I'm so scared. I'm terrified of this game. That's exactly how I feel too. So I'm, I'm going yeah. to it. I'm going with a friend who's a Bears fan and he – he was as dejected from a football standpoint. He, I, I was, I texted him literally. I'm so sorry after the Bears like game against the Broncos, and he's like, I am as sick as I've ever been in recent memory after watching a Bears game, like you know them blowing the 28-3 lead or whatever it was, or some disgusting, you know, um, margin. I'm of two minds. Their defense is trash. 
their defense is trash. It's just straight trash. And the Bears fans will tell you this. If you watch it, you, it confirms it. They play this basic-ass vanilla cover two that it should not – that anybody playing Madden can probably figure out how to move the ball on. It's pretty It's pretty bland. It, it's, it's, it's rather embarrassing that you have a coach who specializes in cover two and that this is what you roll out with. Their offensive line is not good. They have no receivers. Okay. Besides Moore and uh, and uh, Cole Komet, like the the rest of the receiving core is garbage, and you know Justin Fields showed a lot of improvement in, albeit it's one game. He definitely played a lot more loose and free. And, Denver. But he is uh, Denver's defense was particularly atrocious. But I know you can say this about every quarterback. But he had a very clean pocket, and that's why he was dealing in that game. The minute he gets any pressure around him, everything goes to shit. It all goes to shit with him. And yeah, yeah. the defensive line has to show up big time against a very overmatched offensive line that they'll be playing against. That's 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 the entire key of the game. I know you can say that for every game again. But like if they put pressure on him, he will fold like a lawn chair. Yeah. It's a game where Sweat needs to play great because Sweat's athletic gifts, the way he can run with fields is critical, I think. Because he can get to field sideline to sideline. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we spied with Davis quite a we bit. We said that against Josh Allen. We said that against Jalen Hurts, and there's been no spy. It's actually really frustrating to watch. They should do it against Fields because unlike Allen is looking to throw the ball. He runs a ton, but like he's looking we should have spotted Hurts more because he broke containment a bunch. But Hurts didn't uh, run as much in the first half. Hurts started hurting us, no pun intended, in the second half with the yeah, with the spring. But Fields is different. You take away his first read, that's he's going to want to run. If you take away his first read and you take away his 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 scrambling ability, he's ninety five percent useless, if not more. Yeah. So I I hope we spy him. That also keeps Davis on the field more and Barton off the field more. Like this game, I don't know why. I'm not scared of the Falcons. In fact, I think we're going to boat race. The only thing I'm scared about the Falcons is if they start Heineke. I got to do it. I am exactly the same way. I am like, like if they start Heineke, I'm like, oh, shit. You know? Uh, Like the Giants don't scare me. But for whatever reason, I think it's because, one, I've I've long thought Fields was good, and I expect him to take kind of a big jump this year. And I'm worried that he – like a light switch came on against the Broncos where he just had like a a game where he got to kind of just play and he was like, Oh yeah, I can do this. But he still threw a few, a few YOLO balls in that game, particularly the interception at the end that, that that allowed Denver to wrap it up. So we'll see. I, I I expect us to win. And I see a lot of skins fans out there being like a win for a win for me is 10 plus 10 point, you know, at least a double digit victory, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, have y'all watched this team? I don't. Yeah. Right now. Bears fans like we're gonna lose by twenty, and like they're like that's just how bad the Bears are. And, I'm, and, and as a Washington fan, you should not believe you any any time. We could be playing Georgia, and I don't know if we would win by twenty. I do expect us to win, and my hope and of all hopes is that our offense is actually as good as I think it could be. And like their D line doesn't scare me. The corners Nothing should get towards fire line. Like we should put up thirty plus points against them. They can't rush the passer. Um, they can't stop the run. They can't cover anybody. Their defense yeah. is garbage. It's garbage. Yeah. But for for whatever reason, I think it's it's also short week. Also, I forgot to say this in the beginning of the podcast, but this is a perfect segue. Ron needs to get his head out of his ass. I am uh, a big Ron fan. I think he's the right coach, the right time. Like Preach. I'll support him. I'm glad he's our head coach. Here comes the butt. You only got three winning seasons in 12 years. This is now your 13th year for a reason. Go for fucking two-point conversion. Against the Cardinals, we didn't go for the win. Like, this dude plays not to lose, and it costs us games. His, his excuse of, 
oh, the team was tired. It didn't make any okay. sense because if you're tired, why are you going to subject? Why them do you want them to go period? 75 yards more? A whole another quarter? A whole another quarter? Short week? Yeah, that that that's the one that I can't get over. Oh my god, it drives me up a wall. Like I love him. I think he's like he he will always be one of my favorite coaches. I mean, Lord knows that dude kept us together better than probably anybody possibly could. Have. Right place, right time at the time that it was necessary. But there ain't no time to pussyfoot around anymore. It is time to step on teams' throats and win. He has built a good team. We are a good team, but we don't go for the win. And he constantly has – he is not Riverboat Ron. Like, no, if he came into that. if he came into the league during the analytic world, he would not be – he would not have that mantra. He'd just be Ron. Yeah, but because he went forward probably a couple times, he was like, "Oh, old riverboat run." It was all during the 2015 season when he had Cam Newton doing whatever he wanted to on the field yeah. and bending the matrix to his will, and it was like, they "Oh, riverboat run." It's push. like, it's just Cam Newton was unbelievable. Also, push push. It's so stupid. Sorry, I got, I got, it's I got, so I got fired up about the, it's, I got it's fired about the wrong thing. Tush, the wrong push, thing is what worries, the wrong thing worries me about yeah, the push, especially when they uh, jump a full second before the snap. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the, the thing that scares me about Chicago, Atlanta, Giants, home and away, Philly, New England, Seattle, Dallas, we can win every one of those games. Bar none, I think we can beat every single one of those teams. I just, my worry is Ron won't like, we'll sit back and we'll just play instead of like, we'll have an opportunity with the ball up three on the 41 yard line. And instead of going for it, we'll take a delay game and punt. Like, yep. there'll be something like that where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just go for the win. Runs. Now there's a point. There's a balance here. The Eagles scoring that touchdown was stupid, but like, if you have a chance to step on a team's throat in the NFL, you do it. You have been maintaining you have a chance against the since the Cardinals game when we you know when we played for the field goal. So no, if you have a chance, you're two yards away from winning against a team on the road in your division that was just in the Super Bowl that you're eight and a half point dogs on. No one's gonna fault you if you don't get it, but if you do two-point conversion then you're three and one so are the cowboys so are the eagles the narrative around the team is like we're gonna be we're gonna beat the bears by fucking 50 but now all of us are like oh it's the same old team like we're just gonna we'll see what happens sorry yeah. i had to get that off my chest no no I, <laughs> I i agree with everything except for the same old team i think the wisp of optimism to your point about everyone thinking that we're gonna beat the bears by 50 I, I, I keep saying the same thing, and it's like the Bears the Bears are, I mean, could very well be the worst team in the league right now. I mean, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that's genuinely worse than them. The Falcons, I watched pretty closely that entire they're Atlanta bad. game, and, and they're, they're, Desmond Ritter is awful, awful. Yeah, that's I would, why I'm worried Heineke's going to play against us. Because <laughs> the fact that Arthur Smith had to come out and reassure everyone that, um, yeah. that, 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 that Ritter is still a starting quarterback means that the question is in his head of whether he needs to make the change. Um, and I could easily see Heineke be coming in uh, and playing against us. And then I would be very sad if not scared, but Ritter is garbage. I would, I would even go as far as saying, and I don't think this is that much of a stretch that if I had to start my franchise tomorrow, my only choices were fields or Ritter. Like I take fields 10 times out of 10 over Desmond Ritter. Like Ritter sucks. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. He's really, really bad. Um, he's crippling that offense single-handedly by himself. Anyway, and then you've got the Giants, and like I know everyone wants to write off excuses of like, oh, well, they don't have Saquon, and oh, they don't have Andrew Thomas at left tackle and stuff like that. You don't look like pure dog shit because you don't have an overpaid, overrated running back and a top 
17 no. left tackle. They, uh, they've done, I, th- I, I don't think Jones is that good, uh, but I do think they've done him a bit dirty. Like he has no one to throw the ball to. He's no line. He has no one to throw the ball to. He's just like, he's add the fact that he's not that good. Can't throw the ball. He's white Justin Fields. Yeah, now you get a dumpster fire. Uh, Waller, like, he is a skeleton of who he was. And on top Uh, of that, like, everyone kept saying, they're like, oh, well, look at what they did last year. Last year was lightning in a bottle. It was a complete fluke. We see these flukes all the time. Look at the Vikings last year, the worst 13 and 3 team in the history of the NFL, right? I mean, and and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe they're they're not winless anymore, but they might as well be. And they're like, yeah, because it was a fluke. And everything the Giants did last year was a complete fluke. Yeah. So we're two and two now. If you told me that before the year, I'd be like, I'd kind of nod my head and be like, that's exactly where we want to be. Yeah. Um, I think we are more optimistic right now than uh, I kind of expected. I, I did not expect to beat the Bills. Uh, and I think that's that's the big thing that our our adjustments or expectations are adjusted in a very positive manner, and we're more optimistic yeah. than we anticipated being. I did not anticipate us going toe to toe with Philly and Philly. I thought we might beat them at home, but. I was pleasantly surprised, and you wrote this uh, in your like little um, uh, like recap note thing. But I'm encouraged. Like this sounds, if if you're not an athlete and you listen to this, you won't really get this. But the reports coming out that like Terry had tears in his eyes, uh, like no one spoke after the game. Uh, <coughs> they expected to win. They expected to win, and that is very encouraging. There wasn't the moral uh, victory. They didn't take any of the moral victory that we got close to heart. It was it was the it was like no, we, we expected to win and we didn't win. Yeah, Our coach didn't go for two points. They, I think, uh, uh, Kime made this comment. It was Kime or Ben Standig or somebody made this comment. He asked Sadiq Charles about like how did you feel? How did you feel in that last drive? He goes, I knew we were scoring. And it wasn't just hubris or like, just like, he's like, no, no, no. I knew we were scoring. As soon as we got the ball back. I think it's an EB EB effect. Like, I think the players truly believe in him. And I know we had that whole, like, Ron was like, oh, some players came to me and, you know, they had to go talk to EB. Yeah, how's that looking that We had that whole weird, wasn't a story, but because it's, we're DC, like it became a national headline. You know, the players see it and they feel it. And... So I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. So I think we should do this every four weeks. So the next so the next four weeks are Bears, at Falcons, Giants, and then Giants at and, Giants, um, and then the Eagles come against the Eagles. I'm going to say we're three and one, and I think I'm going to say we beat Chicago and Atlanta, and it's going to be a toss up between the Giants and Eagles. I would be surprised if it's not that. I, I would I, I would consider a loss to either. If we want to make the if we want to make the playoffs, we need to go three and one. <laughs> if if we lost to either the Bears or the Falcons, that would be a a drastic underperformance. Yeah. And this is I got again, those both, but I think we'll win both of them. I will go as far as saying, I mean, I'm always the pessimist, and the road to four and zero is very available. It's very, very, very available. I, I agree, it's available. It won't happen. I don't think so either. But like, if it doesn't happen, it's almost a little bit of a disappointment because. You know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas against Philadelphia, fine. Yeah, I mean, I think three and one, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally three games in a row and then maybe we drop it to Philadelphia. But who knows? It could be the other if way around. If we go into Philly five and two. They come here. I mean, like go into the Philly. Yeah, you go into the game. Yep. Philly comes to D- Philly comes into D.C. and we're five and two. They probably will be six and one. Hell, they might even be undefeated. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Their, their schedule. It's actually not that hard. Um, they have a very tough schedule. 
I am very interested to see what our stadium looks like. Because if there's one fan base that has just totally come in and taken over, it's Eagles fans. Yeah, it's a day trip. Uh, it's a day trip for them. They love their team. They come in, like, was it two or three years ago? It was like, it was nauseating how many Eagles fans there were. But if we're five and two, like, fresh off a game where we should have probably been, I mean, I would argue we were the better team last week. Also, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this. I tweeted out, is anyone else tired of the Sirianni's act? Oh, man. Twitter account. And man, they saw some Eagles fans. Yeah. Oh, uh, defensive yeah. much? Were you uh, overcompensating? Yeah. So the joke I kept coming back to, um, like, oh my God. Nick Sirianni is, for those those of you who watched the movie, you know Colin Farrell's character, the dipshit cokehead? Uh, yeah, uh, horrible you know, bosses. In Horrible Bosses. That's 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 Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni is the Colin Farrell Colin Farrell character in Horrible Bosses. That's exactly yeah. who he is. Well, for those who are listening, I think we're up to four now. Yep. Uh, uh, I tweeted out. Is anyone else tired of? Is anyone else tired of Sirianni's act? Question mark. Or like, I think I said, am I the only one tired of Sirianni's act? Question mark. And all day long, for the next like three days, my phone kept going ding ding yep. ding. And it, it was, was all Eagles, Eagles fans. fans. Yeah. coming ass. It's like, God, get a life, guys. Like, well, they were, they're, all of a sudden, it turned into these two Eagles fans ripping each other for uh, whether arguing whether or not he was a good coach or not. I was like, guys, I didn't even say anything about his coaching. Like, he, he appears to be a good coach. Like, I'm right. Not, I'm not saying anything. We just think he's a douche. What I'm saying is I think he's a dipshit on the sideline. I just don't yeah. like him. <laughs> right. He's just a colossal uh, douchebag. Uh, man, I was, I was like, guys, chill the fuck out. It was like 10% Redskins fans like raising their hand being like, yep. And it was 90% Eagles fans just. It was a lot. I should go look in their hands and throwing it at each other. That's all it was. I should go look to see how many people actually saw that tweet because like Eagles fans started tweeting it left and right. I was like, guys, I'm not coming at you right now. It was that tweet Um, and your tweet about Doolittle retiring. I had to turn off notifications after a little while. Yeah. He sacrificed his left arm for a championship. Got to respect him. But uh, like, yeah, it was never, um, never was good again. The account was out of control. And then after that, then you, it's like, I was a little worried about the new England game. We go taking one further look ahead and not anymore. No, not, they're bad. They're, they're real, real bad. Especially I mean, they're bad. For the year. And so then he's the, the game against Seattle and there's Seattle's the stupidest team. I still think in the NFL in terms of like, I cannot figure out who they are, or what they are at any given point in time. I think it's hard to judge because they just played the Giants, right? But they did they did go into Detroit and win. Uh, I think they're good. Yeah, I I haven't closely like watched them. Everyone here win. expected them to be good, and then they lost their first game to somebody. But the and first game, was like, first week is LA. Yeah, everyone was kind of like, uh oh, yeah, it's the Rams. Everyone was kind of like, uh oh, yeah. But then they rattled, They then they went into Detroit, won. They just, I mean, they bow raced the Giants. That was a laugh. Uh, and then I forget who they beat in the second game, but like they're a good team. Oh, that's a game I'll be at. I will. I will be loud and proud. So will uh, others, but yeah, uh, yeah. But I'll be wearing a jersey that says McLaurin and very brandy. Uh, although I might, I might switch it up. I, I wore Terry to the game against the Bills, and we didn't score a touchdown. Uh, in fact, I left before we scored a single point. Uh, you left at the, at the when it was still over. Yeah, we turned. It was like. I think we left after the pick six. We're like, mm. let's yeah. just go drink beers in the parking lot. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Uh, but I'm, maybe I'll rock Sean Taylor. Maybe Sean I'll get Taylor. some more. Actually, it does say Redskins on it, though. I might, yeah. I mean, Seattle sounds kind of a tough place for that one. 
All right. Thank you to everyone who's listening and made it this far as always. Um, you're probably listening to this after the Bears game, so hopefully we are 3-2, and two, and uh, we'll pick up right where we left off shortly after, hopefully another win against the god-awful Arizona, uh, Arizona Atlanta Falcons. Thank you for listening to the Hales of the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.